right. if you're not trying new things you're not really advancing what has been done before and the whole point of a startup is to make it 10 times better than what's been done before and that's something that we strive towards we don't want to just be a copy of what someone else is doing maybe in the US or Europe we like in the truest sense want to do something that no one else has done uh, and do it 10 times better one thing we had to be careful of was uh, some people say that something won't work because like they did not try it and they think it will not work do what you love like if, okay. if you think that working somewhere or working at a company something that will make you happy do that if you want to do art and that's something that makes you happy do that if uh, working on space tech or robotics or something else makes you happy do that cool uh before we get into anything else i need to okay. ask you a question that's super important to me have you ever met elon musk Hey guys, welcome back to Don't Follow the Leader. My name is Noah Martins and if this is your first episode, this is a platform where we speak to society's exceptions and try to understand how they think and what motivates them. So if you think that's something you'd be interested in, don't forget to click the button down below and subscribe. It would also be really cool if you could follow us on social media and subscribe to our newsletter. If you want more updates on what we do or even insights into how we get our guests onto the show and why i'm super excited for today's episode because i'm talking to a 22 year old entrepreneur who's working in the field of space technology his name is awes ahmed and he's the founder of pixel a startup that's building the world's most advanced earth imaging satellite constellation he was also one of the founding members of india's first hyperloop team for elon musk's competition if you are even slightly interested in space entrepreneurship hyperloops or just interesting challenges in general i think you'd find this episode super interesting and inspirational like i did just to listen to him talk about how he dealt with all the challenges he did is mind blowing before we get into it this video was sponsored by redwolf.in you can use the promo code rwbits15 to get a flat 15% discount on all redwolf merch i hope you'll stick around till the end see you on the other side before we get into anything else i need to ask you a question that's super important to me have you ever met elon musk <laughs> uh i have shaken his hand and i've seen him from up close but not really talk and talk to him uh, or he wouldn't remember me but yes i have shaken his hand i'm asking because i've been doing this you could call it a social experiment but i've been doing this thing on twitter for the last 50 days where uh, it's not really a serious attempt but it's more like a creative exercise and a social experiment where i've been tweeting to him every day for the last 50 days trying to get him to be on my podcast <laughs> and every time i do it i do it with like a meme or an interesting question and that helps me with these also like i come up with new ideas to ask my guest questions so it's because this is about understanding your mentality if you had to do that if you had to get elon musk if you had to, other than through hyperloop if you had to get elon musk to be on a podcast how would you do it one of the underlying motives for joining the hyperloop competition and doing that was to have a chance at meeting him which happened but okay. like if i were to get his attention look he's a very busy man and if i were to do it it would be uh giving him particular insight on how things could be better in what he's doing maybe at spacex maybe at tesla if you mm. see usually response to tweets that uh give him advice on how to make things in the tesla better or maybe what he's doing at spacex or neuralink so maybe a particular insight that he finds uh, uh, interesting or insightful might get him to respond uh that is something that i would say and uh, like like having keeping him engaged in 
keeping him engaged is a good way to sort of uh, uh, build that relationship with him if you okay. see certain twitter handles like uh, everyday astronaut or uh, someone else who regularly take photographs of his rocket launching and things like that usually engages with them on twitter quite a bit more so right. uh, like yeah it, it's tough to get his attention as a busy man but these might be some ways how did you get here how are you a space technology entrepreneur in india tell me how that happened <laughs> tell me a story story starts when i was a kid like i think most kids are fascinated with space and what happens uh, with planets the stars the universe and i was uh, not very different uh, uh, that's where it started but then when i got into pits uh, there was this uh, student satellite team uh, that i joined as part of my first year in college it was called team anand uh, they built student satellites as part of israel student satellite program um that's where i got my first actual technical brush with dealing with something that would go into space um after that in the second year and third year uh, i was part of the hyperloop team uh, as i told you uh, that was a competition that uh, spacex did spacex is one of the world's biggest space tech companies when we went to the spacex headquarters it took us on a tour so that sort of rekindled the uh, interest that uh, there was for space and like towards the end of the competition and after that um what i did was i sat down to got my time and read everything i could on what's happening in space space technology um and uh, later decided that uh, there was this competition called the ipm what's an ai express where i would use satellite imagery and artificial intelligence to uh, tackle some problems that we had first hand seen when we were studying in rajasthan there was illegal mining how do you see what's being mined illegally where it's being transported to or uh, crop diseases ravaging uh, crops across the country things like that but uh, that's where we stumbled upon an opportunity there was uh, an opportunity to provide a much better type of data set there was an opportunity to provide a uh, cheaper data set and much more frequently from your own satellites so two thing three things sort of converged there one is the the interest for space tech that i had the second was there was an opportunity here that a business problem that could be solved and the third one was uh, like being in india we have seen what israel has done so there's the infrastructure the capability and the experience more importantly Uh, to be able to do it from this country, and so presently, no one apart from the government had done it. So these right. three converged, and I decided that uh, uh, like there's no risk to starting it now. Like we have done the hyperloop, let's like, we can now build satellites. In fact, uh, in hindsight, building satellites looks simpler than building a hyperloop pod. Uh, we later found that not to be true, but uh, uh, like it got us started, and uh, that's that's sort of where we are. Since then, it's been working towards uh, pixel. Uh, yeah. You were specifically looking at working in space. Like, was it something that you'd always wanted since your childhood, or is it that these are the experiences that you had led you to think that that was what you wanted to do at this moment? Um. So, um, it was a combination of both. Like, ever since I was a child, I wanted to do something with space. Work at NASA. Uh, later, when SpaceX came, work at SpaceX. Okay. But I couldn't do either of that because usually they only take uh, U.S. nationals or U.S. presidents. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so that was out of the picture. And then the other thing is, uh, you know, like participating in competitions like the Hyperloop competition or being part of the student satellite team rekindled that thing. And uh, then I realized that you know this is something that uh, is not that difficult to be honest. And uh, like why if if this is something that I need. Like this is something that I know I can do for the rest of my life without thinking of it as work, uh, and like why not take that risk and just plunge into it? Uh, that's that's sort of how it came to being. So I think like one thing is that innate desire to work in something space tech related. It's like in like it's cool and it's something that I have fun doing. The second thing is uh, like the opportunities and the other things sort of converge towards that. So like I think I was lucky in that way. 
talk to me about hyperloop how did you what was the process like deciding to do it and how did you get all like how did you teach yourself how to build a hyperloop <laughs> um as i it, it was i think the second semester of my first year i walk into the room of my senior at college um and he has a roommate his roommate is writing something on the whiteboard uh, and i look at the whiteboard and i realize that this is the hyperloop concept that elon musk had proposed and i got into talking so that person was sibesh kar he was the founder of hyperloop india uh, and later i became the and one of the founding team members there so uh, like we got into talking and he was thinking at the time of participating in this competition and i said look if you're doing this i'd like to contribute uh, and both of us were sort of uh, Uh, like one of the reasons we were doing this apart from the uh, like the experience we would get is the fact that it might just enable us to meet Elon Musk, Elon Musk. uh so we uh, during the summer after the end of my first year in the summer it was sibesh i and one more person who sort of put the website together uh, started the recruitment got a people like bunch of people excited on this and we just started to get into the design of a hyperloop pod i mean no one had done this before so like we had a clean slate uh, but it also came with its challenges there was no one who could guide us on how to do it uh, and there was no one no no online resource we could look to but um, Uh, since we had a clean slate we just got into it from the first principles uh, there were three stages that happened in spacex competition the the preliminary design review we somehow got through that out of 2500 uh, global teams that had applied around 200 uh, uh, were selected after the preliminary design review after that we had to get into the detailed design of like what we proposed a lot of things changed between them but we still managed to put something together uh, uh, thanks to the team of people we had from goa pilani and hyderabad campuses uh, and uh, to our uh, like pleasant surprise we were one of the 24 finalists selected after that round to say yes your design uh, passes these these criteria and now you are eligible to build uh, the pod that you have designed and uh, bring it to los angeles at our headquarters and uh, have a run at it at our vacuum tube that was there so they have a one mile long vacuum tube right beside their headquarters um once we like we were not expecting to get through that but we did and uh, then the then the challenges sort of started um like we were in pilani and the kind of manufacturing we were looking at was simply not possible there mm-hmm. what we did was we moved down to bangalore uh in the summer of uh, 2017 and um uh we fundraised in parallel we uh, raised uh, we fundraised in parallel and we started manufacturing in parallel so in about the course of 3 months we went from having nothing in design to actually having uh, a fully ready prototype which we later transported to la uh, went through the myriad of tests that spacex had and uh, presented to elon musk and the other spacex engineers so um we just like we, we had no clue how to go about manufacturing even though we had designed it uh, i was personally responsible for something like the levitation system that was there uh, which included handling very strong magnets which could have crushed your fingers if you were not careful and uh, that led to breaking of a lot of these magnets etc but uh, like when we started none of us had the idea of how to sort of actually do it because we hadn't done it but the the things that we learned actually put our mind to it we can actually do it uh, even though we hadn't done it before So do you still have any interest in hyperloop and do you see that technology happening anytime in the future I do have a particular uh, uh, love or affection for the technology because like uh, I have worked on it um, and it's a fairly cool technology it's a fairly cool concept and if it actually works then it could change the landscape of how public transportation actually occurs uh, making it uh, point to point rather than you know uh, having that last mile problem 
but uh, it's at least optimistically five years away from being uh, at a point where uh, people can use it for transportation more realistically seven to ten years away if it uh, uh, comes about the other thing is given the infrastructure costs that need to be flowed into actually making this realistic it's going to um, take a lot of government backing to do that and it will depend right. on whether the government is willing to take that risk etc so yeah uh, fine let's talk about pixel how did how did that happen how did that happen from at a college student level um so as i said there's two experiences that sort of led to it the hyperloop thing itself which showed us that like if a bunch of students put a mind to something that they could actually build something like a pod and the second was the participation in the student satellite team uh, which taught me that i could like this is how it this is what it takes to build a satellite uh, that said after the hyperloop competition um, i personally started reading about different technologies that could you know like transform the world there was space technology there was quantum computing there was gene editing there was biotechnology bio 3d printing and a whole lot of other things and uh, but space tech had that particular uh, like interest uh, like i had that particular interest for space tech uh, and uh, I stumbled upon another one of these competitions called the ibm watson ai xprize we decided uh, uh, we will use satellite imagery uh, and artificial intelligence to tackle a whole lot of other problems including environmental be it forestry be it agriculture and what not but uh, then we ran into a much more fundamental issue uh, and that's when i got my co-founder also uh, in my co-founder shethej we met in the second year at college playing video games that's how we started off but then um, at this point we were looking at participating in this competition but we realized that there's like there's a lot of scope for having a much better type of imaging than is being currently provided today uh, be it indian be it global be it open source be it any government mm-hmm. agency uh, and when i say a much better type i mean in terms of quality in terms of how frequently you can provide it and in terms of the cost also you can provide it um, so what we did then was uh, like this is like we found that there might be an opportunity here so we reached out to uh, companies and organizations around the globe uh, who use satellite imagery in one form or the other and we asked them if we were able to provide you this type of imagery at this frequency and would at this price useful? will you actually buy it right. uh would it be useful is fine but when you're doing something okay. to yeah. actually buy it uh, right. is there a market here is an opportunity here and we heard back from like more than 95% of the responses we got was if you're able to actually deliver this then we will definitely buy it. so like one there was actually a problem of providing a much better data set here in the market so there was an opportunity there second as you know uh, like Shitej and I, we were personally interested in doing something in space technology. Yeah. And third, uh, there were uh, there was ISRO here in India, but there was also this company called Team Indus who were doing fairly well and were creating a splash in the media, trying to land a, a lunar rover on the moon. That was India's first private space company. Uh, and we said that we, hey, if they can do this and if ISRO can do this, like fairly sure another Indian company can do it. Uh, it never sort of came into the mind that we were still students or we could not do this. And I think that's thanks to the fact that. Uh, we were we were part of the hyperloop team uh, if you look at the other teams that were part of the finalists uh, you would see that uh, like they had a lot of resources both financial and otherwise at their universities that were backing them uh, but we didn't uh, we had to raise the entire money on our own we had to go down to bangalore we had to figure out sponsorships we had to convince people to do it for cheaper or for free uh, and we said that like with such like with such a lesser amount of resources with no uh, uh, material online and with no advisor to sort of guide us if we could do this with a hyperloop pod with uh, so many resources on satellites with so many advisors who have done it here uh, uh, and uh, like why why can't we do the satellite part as well so that's that that was sort of the genesis 
and this this idea came to us like a month before the final uh, examinations that were to occur uh, at the end of third year what we did then was we talked to a few of the people that we knew who were sort of like interested in doing cool stuff and we said hey look we are going down to bangalore to be able to build a satellite do you want to just uh, like come and help us out mm-hmm. and uh, like around 20 people for two hour surprise uh, said uh, uh, yeah sure we'll come on to bangalore uh, they did that uh uh like they spent their own money coming down to bangalore uh, some of them left internships to come down to to be able to do that they had they spent their own money on accommodation and other living expenses in bangalore so really grateful to all those people uh but like it was a bu- it was a motivated bunch of students and like we had seen in hyperloop that a what a motivated bunch of students could do um and we started uh, started work like essentially got down there like started designing the satellite uh we reached out to people who who had been there and done this before for example uh like we reached out to dr ds kiran kumar he was the ex chairman or the head of the indian space agency yeah. uh and after a cold mail he said yeah come on over to the office so we went to his office which was the isro headquarters uh we talked to him he was uh, uh, he offered us to connect to a few folks in the industry he gave us guidance etc so like that also sort of propelled us that uh, like what we didn't have at hyperloop was this advice of people who had done that and knows what not to be done um and like after that uh, we started designing but to actually and we started prototyping so i put my own savings money into this we started prototyping whatever we could in terms of building maybe small antennas or small parts of the satellite to be able to show people uh, and just uh, check for it ourselves uh, but to be able to actually build a satellite that could go to space we needed a lot more money than obviously we could mm. provide from our savings um and then the semester started we went back to college but we still kept uh, whatever we could going in uh, you know uh, bangalore and chennai where sort of the manufacturing was happening right we found partners who had done this before for isro and we said uh, look your only customer till date has been isro why don't uh, you sort of provide these components to us as well um that way uh, now the challenge was like how do we get the money to do this uh, and that's where sort of an interesting thing happened uh, so like and that's where we tapped into the bitsen alumni network as well okay in in silicon valley there is this event that happens annually where all the uh, bitsens who are uh, in uh, in the valley they come together and there was a startup pitch event and uh, we had applied for that and we got selected okay now like all the money had been put into these prototyping there was no money to uh, actually able to go there but we are working with another bitsen company called map my india uh, on a satellite imagery related project uh thanks to them we were able to uh, book a flight to uh, you know san francisco and this was four days before the event right four days before we convinced them to book the ticket two days before the event i fly out to san francisco and pitch there uh, and uh, you know thankfully like these were bits in they saw that a bunch of other bits are trying to do something uh and uh, like a couple of them said we would uh, be happy to invest yeah. uh we used that thing to rally around came back to india got a bunch of other investors on board and actually managed to put together uh, uh, like our first round while we were still in the final semester of our like college and yeah. using that money we started the manufacturing like actual manufacturing of uh, a satellite that could go in space and work there uh this was um, this manufacturing started around the middle of last year um we are almost done with the manufacturing and testing of the first satellite uh it was booked to launch in july, june, uh, july this yeah, year i heard that yeah. june july this year but uh, it's now gotten delayed to november okay. um and they're working on the second much more better version of the satellite uh to go after the first one as well uh, uh and the plan is like after these two satellites we will launch uh, 12 satellites and then 12 more to complete our constellation that can you know uh, like give us 
like we can really be able to see the pulse of the planet to see how the world is changing no matter which part of the globe and be able to provide insights to people in agriculture whether your crop is doing fine or people in forestry whether there's chance of forest fires here or whether deforestation is happening climate change things like that so the plan is like to cover the earth with satellite so that we are able to see how the earth is changing like every day uh yeah that that that's the journey but how did you learn about satellites like how how did you get the knowledge to make what you are making um to be frank most of us didn't know anything about building satellites when we started i had i had a brief inkling of what goes into it thanks to the stint at the student satellite team yeah. but um most of it was just the internet like okay. i think the internet is an amazing tool this would not have been possible yeah. even 10 or 15 years ago uh like you would have had to go to a library to be able to take these huge tomes of books and search yeah. for the relevant things that you would need you would not have been able to look at the cutting edge advances that have had that we have incorporated uh, mm. but the internet just makes it all easier like at the, like you can just open your laptop or your tablet and you are able to search and identify things but also through twitter or linkedin you are able to reach out to the relevant people who have been in the industry have done this before who can help save you the time by telling you this is something that will work this is something that will not work so those two things i think uh, like we just opened the internet whatever we could read and uh, 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 like that's something that we learned from hyperloop as well and the second is just talking to as many experts in the field as possible who will tell you that something right. that worked something that didn't work uh one thing we had to be careful of was uh, some people say that something won't work because like they did not try it and they think it would not mm. work so we'll have to be just open and like receptive to all advice we are getting right. but in the end forge like your own path so right. yeah it's just the internet and like uh, like access to people that's just possible through the internet are there any specific courses that you'd recommend to anyone else who's interested in <laughs> learning about satellites i could not find any course as such okay okay <laughs> um i think uh, there's a lot of research papers and books that you can find online uh, okay. space mission design analysis or a whole lot of other things if you just google you'll find it but there's no singular course that will tell you that this is what it takes hmm. to build a satellite uh, right. i have at least i haven't found that uh, maybe a few mit open course where um, uh, like lectures that come to this topic will help but like not in as much detail it's just reading as much as you can on uh not just what has been the traditional way of building a satellite but also the most recent advances that have had because like we want to be working at the cutting edge and not just repeating what someone else has done how old are you 22 right now do you feel like that made a, like that has been a hindering force in any way when you go to meetings and pitch to people um it's been a hind- it's been a disadvantage but it's also been an advantage the okay. advantage is when people see that a bunch of young students are doing something so atrocious it at least gets you a meeting uh hmm. it helps you stand out among the hundreds of other pitches uh, that exactly it gets your attention the disadvantage is the fact that not a lot of them see you seriously they think that oh there's a bunch of students they're looking at it as a college project or a student project and they don't know the uh the struggles that come with building a startup uh, uh but uh, i think one thing we have been uh like in the it industry if you see as a computer industry or startups that come up uh, mm. there's no stigma there no matter what your age people can yeah. sort of go pitch raise money uh and like it doesn't have to be different any different for space tech and like we've been okay. lucky to find people that were open receptive and took us seriously uh mm. thanks to which we were able to raise money etc but there are also certain people who were very dismissive of the fact that we could not even do anything and what you like set out to achieve was actually impossible um it is dejectful at beginning but then after a point you like it gives you more motivation to able to, to prove them wrong in a good good sort mm. of way 
um you're doing so something so cool they don't even understand it <laughs> yeah ma'am like and and they've been they come from a different mindset so they say if it's impossible it might have been impossible at their time but things have changed mm. as well so it's not their fault as such but yeah you, like you can it gives you that extra motivation to prove them wrong in again a good sort of way but uh, it's been there's there's disadvantages but there's also been advantages it gets us most meetings that we actually want to take uh, how many employees does pixel have right now um we are about uh, 12 right now uh, we're okay. going to expand to around 20 or 25 in the next uh, few months but right now it's about 12 yeah okay so i was listening to this other podcast with the tinder and bumble founder and uh, yeah. she was talking about how the first 10 to 15 hires are the most important because they really define the culture of the company so yeah. uh, what is your pro- like what do you look for in someone other than the obvious things what do you look for in someone when you hire for pixel uh, like one thing if if i were to boil down to one thing it would be whether this person like has the capacity to pick up new things and learn things fast and is receptive to knowing that he can be wrong pick up new things and like do something Mm-hmm. last thing we want is someone coming someone who is really technically good but is coming from a traditional background and is not willing to try new things at all because right. if you're not trying new things you're not really advancing what has been done before and the mm-hmm. whole point of a startup is to make it 10 times better than what's been done before and that's something that we strive towards we don't want to just be a copy of what someone else is doing maybe in the US or Europe we like in the truest sense want to do something that no one else has done uh, and do it 10 times better that means that okay. people who come in with an open mindset who can like who are willing to say that okay maybe what they know till now is not the most optimum be willing to pick up things uh, and uh, yeah like how quickly can they pick up things and the new things that would be boiling down to one the other thing that we critically look at uh, which also comes from this fact is like um like we have a like we have a no asshole policy something that google also has like the people that are there need to be able to work with the other members of the team be respectful of their work not be condescending uh, not be of the opinion that only what they are doing is right so making sure that they fit into the culture and that culture is maintained is going to be like very important uh, uh and um, like yeah i think those would be the two things apart from obviously the other technical know how right. that they would need to have um one thing that uh, sort of helped us was we got a few people from team indus uh, who had experience going from design to manufacturing to testing of the lunar rover that they were about to send uh, mm-hmm. and the advisors that we had from isro who been there done that uh, and a few like us based and europe based uh, advisors as well so i think uh, that way like that's what we look for in a team uh, like it's okay if they are not from a tier 1 college it's okay if they don't have a lot of experience but if they can prove prove that they're willing to learn uh, pick up things and implement them uh, and that uh, you know they're willing to work with the team that's apart from the obvious things what you would look for so you're a space startup and both of those things both space companies and startups require rapid innovation and for, mm-hmm. and growth so uh, yeah. how do you, how do you think that you can drive innovation because i was listening to elon musk talk about it and he says mm-hmm. that uh, you you can't just do it with a speech you need to also incentivize innovation with compensation like you need to yeah. if you if you the rate of innovation is faster then you go, grow higher in his company so company so uh, do you have a process for creating driving innovation the or is it just like the belief in the vision like is that enough to there needs to be a vision in the company like where is it that you're moving towards what is it that you're trying to achieve if there's no vision then like uh, you can't really keep on driving your people towards something uh, 
and especially the earliest hires that you need to have some like most of them will come because they believe in the vision that the company is moving towards right yeah um uh, and uh, like personally i am of the belief that if someone is putting their heart and soul into something they need to be compensated for it the last thing you want them to be able to do is worry about their financial situation and personal finances uh, and that creeps into the work if they are actually doing work putting in uh, a lot of um, ours they need to be well compensated there's two things we do that one thing is we hire people only after we raised uh, you know a round of funding uh, and uh, uh, although it's not as much as we can pay that spacex is paying or someone else is paying uh, we try to make it as fair as possible the second thing is in an early company like this uh, giving a part of equity to the employees mm-hmm. like uh, that's that's two ways one it's obviously good for them if they work for the company and the company does well they are also getting compensated for it but second uh, like like they are also sort of part owners of the company uh, mm-hmm. and actually owning a piece of the company makes them owners put their skin in the game and like aligns everyone's incentives um that said once you know once people are comfortable they don't have to worry about their personal finances and everything it's sort of how you as a company wants to set the vision uh, and what are your processes are whether you just want to repeat something else has done but like i believe in a startup everything is innovation like and in like a big company that's been there for so many years needs to specifically think about innovation uh, and how they are continuously innovating to keep up with the times but for a startup uh, if you have to survive you need to keep innovating you're also the ceo of pixel so yeah. uh, first how did you learn to ceo and secondly <laughs> uh, how involved are you in engineering right now i didn't i believe that no one learns to be a ceo like the okay. only course that uh, makes you ready to be a ceo is by being a ceo mm-hmm. uh, uh, and like if it's a like mark zuckerberg is a college dropout and he's a ceo of one of the biggest companies in the world um but there are also certain places where you would need an experienced ceo or to come in and like write the ship uh it depends on what it is exactly that you want to do a lot of in a lot of startups one of the founders becomes a ceo for a few years but then once it's growing they decide to bring in someone more experienced to sort of like manage the day to day running of the company and do the growth uh, someone who's been a proper ceo before or in some cases the founder ceo himself evolves into what is needed for the company like mark zuckerberg did right so it, it that that sort of depends but uh, regardless of whether it's an experienced ceo or a first time ceo the only thing that can prepare you to do like a job for a company is by being the ceo and being a ceo of every company is different uh, like you can't bring the same skill and outlook that you brought to a uh, a food startup company that you're bringing to a space startup company so that's that sort of different coming to personally how involved i am in the engineering um for the first uh, uh like i handle everything non engineering related because we don't have anyone else at this point that includes fundraising that includes marketing that includes sales etc but uh, i believe that like a ceo should also be knowing what is going on in the technical side of things uh, even though i have a co-founder who mainly handles a day to day running of that but uh, i try to keep myself abreast and be in the meetings of what exactly is going on and certain decisions even on the technical front have to come from a holistic view which like the ceo can bring right uh, you need to be able to look at the finances and say that okay we have two options here one is very uh, one is very expensive but it will last us for 7 years in space but one is not very expensive but only last us for 2 years so you'll have be able to take the call whether what finances you have now versus what finances you will have later how much you have to raise uh, so in, in that case i believe especially in deep tech or hard tech companies uh, ceo needs to be deeply involved in the technology uh, yeah. and in unless like apart from maybe a few one off cases 
uh, unless the CEO knows what's going on on the tech side, uh, uh, you can't really take the right calls with the company long term. What are your favorite and least favorite parts of that job, of the CEO job? <laughs> the favorite part is the fact that, uh, uh, like, it, it sounds cliched, but like, I'm not in it for the money. Like, I didn't start out to start a startup. That's something that came out of what I wanted to do in life. So, like, the the best part about this is it doesn't feel like work. It's actually feeling like you're driving uh, part of space technology innovation that in the future uh, uh, will plug into the whole space ecosystem and, like, accelerate that. Uh, the best part is working with the smartest people in the field. Having something uh, as lofty as launching a constellation means you attract uh, talented, smart people. Working with yeah. them, learning from them is another good experience day to day. The worst part is, uh, uh, you know, the, the regulatory, the compliance, the, the financial aspect of things, making sure you are submitting your taxes to the government mm-hmm. and a whole lot of other things and the compliance related issues that you need to do. Uh, but uh, like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't exchange it for anything else in the world. This is uh, like, this is what I would want to do for the rest of the life. Like, uh, in the truest sense, I'm doing something that uh, like I love, and I don't mind doing it literally for the rest of my life. So, yeah, mo- like 95% of it is is good. The 5% mm-hmm. of it is something that you need to be able to do to make sure you can do the rest 95%. You spoke about learning and getting feedback from your employees. Do you have a a process in place for that? For like for your personal growth, like, do you have a process for learning and getting feedback? So personal growth is I try to reach out to like everyone once a month or once in two months, a personal message to each one saying, what is it that I can do better? What is it that I have done wrong? What is it that is holding you back from doing something that you would want in the company? So that's me personally as to how I can do better. The second thing is how can the company do better in general? What are the processes we need to change? Uh, uh, how like, is there any bottleneck that you are facing that we would need to take care of? So that's a regular process. Every once a week, we have an all hands meeting where everyone from the team is sort of open to say, what are the two good things that happened to them that week? What are the two bad things that happened to them that week? Uh, whether they need help in any particular thing that they're struggling with. And in general, any decision that's taken in the company by no matter what, if they have any objection to that and the reasoning for that. So that way, there's like a proper flat structure. Anyone can tell that the decision that you've taken is not right for the company. And these are the reasons why. And we can get into the debate into that and actually evaluate whether some decision that was taken is actually right for the company or not so i think having an all hand and creating that culture where anyone can openly talk to you about something uh, uh, is something that we have tried to do and hopefully can sustain going ahead Uh, as long as there's no friction between communication between any two employees no matter who they are uh, and they're able to speak openly and freely and like call bullshit for bullshit and tell someone no matter how i have that what you're doing is wrong like we want to be able to enable that and i think like you as a company if you need to grow and rectify your mistakes you need to be able to have that do you see the trend of people moving into the private, like people in the private sector moving into the space industry in India changing in the next few years? That's the part A of that question. And part B is, uh, are there any misconceptions about starting a space tech company? Like, is it harder or easier than people think? Coming to the first question, uh, just uh, on last week, Saturday, the finance minister announced right. that they would be privatizing uh, the space industry to private companies, which was not the case till Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, like if you were to look at the morale of the space ecosystem on Friday versus the morale of the space ecosystem on Saturday, something on that front from SOTOP has come for the first time. So that, that, that essentially means like if the government is willing to back something like this, if there's, um, if they're like, more importantly, the words that they've said, if they're converting that into action, 
yeah. that will mean that many more companies many more people will have the confidence to start up in space in india uh, i don't think there's a dearth of people that are interested in in space or space technology uh, in the last couple of years alone there have been 8 to 10 companies in india that have come up but if you look at the us uh, thanks to you know the ecosystem and the government encouraging it there are thousands of companies in space uh, and like there's no reason why that does not have to be the case in india so in the in the next 3 to 5 years there will definitely be many more companies uh, depending again on how the government is enabling that how the private funding ecosystem evolves and all that but uh, the number will definitely increase regardless of anything else the misconceptions that would be here is it's not as difficult as people think to be honest okay. um, uh, like if people can start a fintech startup without having any uh, formal academic knowledge in finance can do a fintech startup uh, a person with no formal knowledge in space technology or a phd in space technology can also do a space tech startup you all obviously need to surround yourself with people who have certain domain expertise but like that is in no way a like a hindrance or a limiting factor to starting a space tech company and um, yeah yeah i think like it does not have to be only hardware in space and it does not have to uh, be someone with a phd or like domain knowledge in this uh, this space if you have the willingness to learn if you are able to open up the internet and want to learn i think anyone can start a space tech company like i i i i draw this analogy or parallel between where the space tech industry is now uh, versus where the um, uh it industry or the computer industry was in the 1980s 1970s 1980s apple microsoft uh steve jobs bill gates both of them were dropouts they didn't have any academic formal knowledge in building software or building computers but both of them have built you know trillion dollar companies today spacex is sort of at the same stage like bunch of students like us can start out of a garage Uh, and like anyone else can sort of do the same as long as they have the will to see it does saturday's announcement make any different uh, like was it beneficial to y'all in any way um the announcement itself was not beneficial but it was a big morale booster the okay. what would be beneficial would be if there are actions taken from the announcement right. on saturday yeah uh but uh, no, i think it's a great first step something like this coming from the finance minister for the first time uh, is a big step and isro acknowledged that saying that given there is a mandate from above we will try to incorporate that and uh, open up to the private industries now it all depends on execution like whether there is a clear policy framework that they will bring up uh, whether it's actually a level playing field between isro and private companies or will there be favoritism for isro uh, because isro is still a commercial player right no matter what right. they have done so they're competing with anyone else who's doing rockets or anyone else doing satellites right. um uh, so yeah, it's it, like it's a great first step but it all depends on execution I've heard you say in the past that uh, Isro is a virtual monopoly and that's what makes it like harder for <laughs> space companies to operate in India. How did you all get past those uh past those blockades with your company? So Isro is a virtual monopoly because of the fact that until now nothing from like the top had come like for the mandate was to like privatize it. Hmm. Uh the the thinking was that Isro as a space agency has been doing great till now and um, uh like let's keep it that way let's not change the status right. quo uh if they're doing it why just open it to private industry then increase the risk etc etc hmm. um the one like and there are both kinds of people that disrupt people who want to keep it at status quo but there are also people who are very encouraging towards private industries and would want to see them grow and, and all that okay. um that way uh, like look we we 
there are certain blockades for example if you are booking a launch as an indian company we have to pay 18% extra thanks to the gst compared to a foreign company booking the same launch okay. uh, on an indian launch vehicle right that doesn't make okay. sense since you're in india yeah. trying to launch from india but like one way we got about that is like uh, we can build a satellite nothing stopping us from building a satellite yeah, it's essentially a computer that's going to go up in space and do something uh, but to be able to launch that uh, like we don't necessarily have to go with isro we are launching for example with the russian space agency we could have launched with spacex or rocket lab or anyone else so nothing stopping us from doing that one issue that comes up is to launch satellites you need certain licenses before you can do that uh, and that you would need to interface with your national government or a government agency to do that and that is not clear today which means uh, you would have to directly engage with maybe the international agency that coordinates it or look at other ways to do that so there's still a lot of way to go but um, like like as a satellite company it's easier because nothing stopping us from building a satellite but as for a rocket company building a rocket is considered uh, you know like the same technology that can be used to build a rocket can be used to build missiles so there's more right. of a regulation risk there etc so um, um that uh, like if that is made clear in the policy then things will definitely take off uh, but uh, as of now there's ways to work around it and that's the entire point of being a startup right there's going to be so many challenges that come up it's how you figure out your way around that and yeah. not, not not very different in space you're a micro startup a, a micro satellite manufacturing company right so why is a micro satellite better for collecting the kind of data that you all collect it's not so like we could have built a nano satellite or a pico satellite which are smaller than micro satellites it, it, in the end it depends on like what is the use case you're going after and what is the best type of satellite to be able to achieve that in the okay. end you have to serve your customer you can't right. build a pico satellite and say this is the best i can do and you have to live with it you have to look at it from like the bottoms up look at what the customer wants and see how you can build a satellite to cater to that the whole point of like why we can do it with micro satellites today that is not possible before is due to a variety of factors one is shrinking electronics shrinking sensors shrinking optics whole bunch of which put together makes the satellite smaller in general uh, and the launch costs also have been coming down year on year uh, mm. uh, and that enables you to be able to launch satellites so it's it's not that like we decided we would be a micro satellite startup and then looked for the application that's more of just the best looked at the application and said what is the cheapest Uh, smallest and uh, like uh, like what's the cheapest and smallest way in which you can go about doing this and that right. was a micro satellite so yeah so the customers so there's agricultural companies or governments for example uh, um there's companies or organizations that have millions of acres that they have to monitor and keep a track on how the crop is doing what the crop health status is etc etc uh, we be, be able to provide them on a daily cadence uh, how the crop is doing whether it's under irrigated over irrigated whether it has a disease or a pest infestation etc um a lot of them will be government agencies uh, for example department of forestry a department of agriculture department of mining i talked about illegal mining etc there is also mining companies who would want to know where to mine what to mine in what quantity to mine uh, which areas to concentrate to be able to go there oil and gas companies for example there are these huge gas pipelines or oil pipelines that they have stretching across you know uh, entire land masses to be able to monitor those and see whether there's any natural gas leakage happening which is not only you know a loss to that company but also like causes devastating harm to the environment uh, when we are able to tackle that with the satellites um there's also a lot of these uh, uh, like any company or agency that's related to urban monitoring uh, how exactly do you want to grow cities uh, how are the leaks doing what is the health status of uh, leaks etc Uh, so there's 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 a, and there's a lot of financial institutions uh, for example crop re- insurance companies that insure crops uh, hedge fund uh, trading companies that uh, bet on commodities etc etc 
so like artificial intelligence and electric cars and rockets to some extent were the biggest technologies of the last 10 years what do you see as being the biggest technologies that of the next 10 20 years are uh, you talking about space in general or technology just in general what do you think are going to be the hot topics that everybody is working on in technology in, in the future artificial intelligence is going to continue to dominate the headlines we are nowhere okay. close to artificial general intelligence that people want so people mm. will be trying to do that and in general uh, like deep learning or narrow artificial intelligence is something that will continue to get better and better uh, so that's something that will not stop for the next 10 years uh, augmented reality and virtual reality is something that i think will come up in the next 5 to 10 years for sure it's been on the fringes for quite some time but as technology gets better software gets better more people get into it uh, uh, we will look at vr and ar technologies coming up and becoming a more uh, entrenched part of our lives uh, a lot will happen in biotechnology be it bio 3d printing uh, or be it uh, gene editing uh, uh, or genomics uh and in general use of artificial intelligence in the medical community so um you know uh, like there's a saying the previous trillion dollar industry was created uh, using the computer code the next trillion dollar industry will be created using the human genetic code mm-hmm. uh so a lot of things in the biotechnology space be it bio 3d printing artificial meat uh, or in general gene editing etc uh, like that's going to take up a lot of our time especially now given covid etc you will need to find mm-hmm. faster ways to be able to find vaccine things like that so biotechnology is definitely prime for take off space technology definitely we are still at the very beginning stages of what this space industry could uh, could could do and maybe a couple more things like uh, one would be quantum computing uh, quantum computing is still in the fringes it will not get into the mainstream uh, i don't think but Uh, at least in terms of replacing certain supercomputers somewhere or doing uh, large scale uh, uh, computations quantum computing uh, is going to take off like the indian government recently put billions of dollars into the into a 7 to 10 year project in this year's budget okay. um and uh, i think robotics is like nano robotics and in general robotics will take a more uh, entrenched role in our lives for example we are already seeing roomba robots trying to clean etc but we'll see more and more of those get involved in the daily day to day life okay i'll close with the last three questions uh the sure. first one is are there any podcasts or books that you really like and recommend often i don't listen to a lot of podcasts but i think novel has a really good podcast uh, okay. they are short you don't need to spend a lot of time on that and okay. it generally gives a lot of good advice um as well as uh, there's uh, this person called lex friedman from mit who does really good uh, hmm. podcast he has had elon musk before he has other ai experts i think like that those would be the couple that i would recommend uh, books uh, i am a big fan of science fiction books uh, one because you take a look at them and see how the world could be right there's a lot of yeah. dystopian novels yes but then in terms of technology how that can be made better uh, and uh, uh, it gives you like most of us entrenched in our daily lives we don't necessarily get out of that narrow mindset science fiction essentially like enables you to open that field of view and see how things could be different and i think regardless of you being in a science uh, or a tech startup yeah. an entrepreneur reading science fiction i think just opens up that so on like on on that note uh, like recently i read dune which is like a really good book uh, mm-hmm. or the foundation series by isaac asimov um uh, but like in general any any good science fiction uh, would be nice uh, generally for like if you're looking at for entrepreneurship related books there's two there's zero to one from peter thiel and mm-hmm. there's the hard thing about hard things from ben horowitz mm-hmm. um 
zero to one just gives you again like like he drills down to the core and says what is it that you would need to do to build that next big company uh, like mm. be at the cutting edge of innovation uh, and the hard thing about hard things is like a lot of things in startups are hard and like he just gives you uh, uh, like no bullshit advice on how to sort of go about things from his own experience uh, so yeah I, I think that would be <laughs> that would be my recommendations what do you see as being the permanent changes that covid leaves um I think one one permanent change that I think it would leave is people will realize that it's not necessary to meet in person to close deals or uh, uh, be able to do something. Earlier, closing sales or signing contracts need to happen in person, mm-hmm. and I think this is something that they'll realize that it doesn't necessarily need to happen. So unnecessary travel will be cut down. But I think the fact, like I, I see certain things where people I think work from home will become the norm, or people will stop traveling altogether. But in I think five to ten years, we'll get back to normal. Humans are sort of wired inherently to be able to travel to talk to people and do things like that so eventually we will be able to position where things will start getting back to how they were before except with the exception of maybe two things uh, work from home will not have the stigma that it has and more people will be open to sort of trying that out and the second is you'll realize that you don't necessarily need to meet in, meet in person to be able to do a lot of things video calls can get uh, stuff done okay fine i'll make this the last question what do you see as being the major developments in space in our lifetime and uh, what what role do you want to play in that what do you want to be remembered for in terms of space the, there's this i'll divide it into three things i'll divide it into the like the lower earth orbit or the space technologies that will benefit the earth uh, the second is enabling technologies that will uh, connect earth to uh, anything beyond earth and the third is technologies that will take us to mars the moon or beyond right mm-hmm. um in terms of uh, the first one that's something that we are trying to do uh, satellites looking down on earth or spacex starlink which is providing internet right, communications internet. here uh, essentially we will bring down a lot many more benefits of space down to earth so that's the first thing and that's short term the, the 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 other two are essentially in terms of what nasa is trying to do which is sustained human presence on the moon and then spacex's vision of then going to mars and setting up in habit like habitats there uh, as humans you know we are hardwired to explore so like in 10 to 15 years i in 10 years i expect at least men to land on mars but in 15 years to have at least habitats on the moon or mars and mm-hmm. um, that that opens up avenues for technologies for one enabling connections between habitats on the moon to earth and then technologies for living on moon and mars themselves and then anything beyond that is also considered in the same aspect maybe asteroid mining or uh, sending satellites to scout whether there's any asteroids with minerals or ice or things like that uh, or even look at the moons of saturn jupiter etc i think that's where we are moving towards uh, you see like, us being uh, on mars in the next 10 years we will have a we will have a man land on mars in the next 10 years yeah okay. we might not have a sustained civilization there, but we will have at least at least have uh, like for example neil armstrong landed on the moon in 1969 um uh, it's been some time yeah. since we should have had uh, a man on mars as well so in the next yeah. 10 years is definitely possible okay. in the next 5 years we will like real land humans on the moon and in 5 years beyond that we will have set some habitat there so that's definitely like that's where we are on the way towards um personally where like where like the, the whole point of us starting pixel was to do something in space technology but like we didn't have hundreds of millions of dollars like elon musk had to start building huge rockets yeah. so we have to be strategic about it first step right. is 
we build satellites which uh, will get us revenue so we have a self sustaining business that's generating profit use those profits to spend into more space technology that we can develop maybe uh, relay satellites that can help communicate between the the mars and the earth or uh, uh, geostationary satellites that can take images continuously over a certain place uh, have the same satellites that we are building orbit uh, moon and mars or asteroid belt and identify minerals there or water there or ice there uh things like that so eventually uh we want to be like a private nasa i would say in the next 15 years like mm. do what we want to do in space technology but have a core business that's generating revenue yeah, for yeah. us to be able to do that yeah. uh, uh space is doing a tremendous job in like you know increasing the motivation and the, the vision for getting us uh, uh, on mars but they can't be the only company doing that yeah. uh and like there's spacex in the us there's airbus in europe there's there's no one from major or even india sort of doing that we wanted to plug that gap and be that company so we'll see where that goes uh, we will will be strategic so like that's 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 the general plan yeah thank you so much for doing this uh do you want to close with some advice for people <laughs> in college people watching this bad bad advice but here's what i will say do what you love like if, okay. if you think that working somewhere or working at a company is something that will make you happy do that if you want to do art and that's something that makes you happy do that if uh, working on space tech or robotics or something else makes you happy do that essentially as long as like you are happy and you don't consider it as work uh, i think that's what you, that's what you should strive towards uh, don't necessarily do something just because of the pressures of something something else um like yeah like just do something that you think is fun and you are happy doing it is what i would what i would generally say that has that has that that has made that that like i don't have complaints because i have followed that uh, there'll be there'll be struggle there'll be days that are tough where you will think that it's not really good advice but as long as like you know what you're doing is like fun to you and you'll be happy doing that just just go do that thank you thank you so much for doing this it was great thanks thanks okay. for having me over Thank you so much for staying till the end of this episode. If you liked it, don't forget to like, share and subscribe and share this with all of your friends.